Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sunday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, May 7th, and we appreciate you joining us. After spending all afternoon to watch the Cubs lose Wasting on our a ticky tack balk call. Yeah, great sport we have going on over here, Corey. Very exciting. Uh, the Cubs yeah, do get back in the series win column, winning the first two uh, from the Marlins. Uh, they do drop the finale on Sunday here, five to four in very extra innings, 14 innings, a lot of free baseball for everybody here today. We are live, Brendan and I, on the CHGO Sports YouTube. So if you are joining us live and in our YouTube chat, welcome. We appreciate you joining us and sticking with us on your Sunday afternoon. If you are listening on your podcast feed later, we thank you for joining us as well. Uh, and we invite you to check out the YouTube later, perhaps, to see Brendan's wonderful graphics and things that he has yes. for you. Brendan and I will be talking all things Cubs baseball here today, the series with the Marlins. We'll be talking about Justin Steele. Hayden Wisniewski, Albert Alzali getting a shot uh, to close, Matt Mervis's debut weekend, Miguel Amaya and his wonderful weekend here at Wrigley Field, Seiya Suzuki struggling a little bit, everything uh, under the sun on the table here for the Cubs podcast here today. But Brendan, I think in general, you know, we finished this weekend uh, back at 500, they win the series, they get back in that series W column after a, a tough road trip there in Miami and the series in Washington. That being said, though, you kept this game close on Sunday with Hayden Wisniewski on the mound against the reigning NL Cy Young winner, Sandy Alcantara. Kept it close. Your bullpen got did a lot of really good work. You got some clutch hitting there late in the game to tie it up. Really wanted that one. I know. Uh, I it, know. One of those coming in, you look at the matchup, you say, you know what? I'm fine with the series, uh, the series win. Do what you can against Alcantara. As we sit here after watching all 14 innings, uh, as Rhonda says in our, our YouTube chat here, they left so many guys on base. Yep. Really would have liked the sweep there. Yeah, you know, the game started off on a relative high note with Hayden looking so good, right? And then Merv is coming up and having some clutch hits over the weekend. And of course, of course, they lose that game in that fashion. So it leaves a sour taste in our mouths, but... Overall, I think given what you saw this weekend, ignoring that stupid bulk loss and, and the 14-inning loss, overall, there's some encouraging signs with Hayden kind of rebounding, showing good command for the first time in basically all season, and having perhaps some more offensive stability in the format Merv is coming up and looking pretty good at, at, at the dish. And also, good defense, too, at first base, I thought. Yeah, that, that was something I saw a lot of people talking about on social media. You know, there was a lot made of whether Mervis was a 
average defender, slightly below, et cetera, et cetera. He made some nice scoops uh, yeah. over there. And really all weekend we saw from Matt Mervis. I think he looks pretty good over there. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Craig in our in our YouTube chat live here uh, talking about Mervis's defense. He definitely looks like he can handle it. I think that's that's really the, the key, right? Whether he's great or w- however that rates out. I think that he looks like he can handle it over there. He's not going to be a yeah. liability over there, which is really yeah. what's important. Yeah, I like the two-hand scoop, you know? That was pretty pretty good. Good awareness, but overall, yeah. I mean, for me, like, play Mervis every day. Like, you know, give him the shot. Defensively, he looks fine. I think he's even better defensively. Just visually looking at it, like, he looks better than, like, Mancini at first base. Not saying much overall, but he looks like, you know, a formidable, fine option defensively. Yeah, and, I, you know, again, it's, it is uh, frustrating Again, like I think you win the series, you know, you're facing Alcantara. Alcantara was very good today. Uh, but you know, this is another one, just so many opportunities with runners in scoring position. Yeah. You just need that one clutch hit, or you need to move the runner over an extra time in some of these, uh, extra inning games. Like it's just, again, another winnable one that, that felt like it got away from the Cubs, but, uh, the, the series, on the whole, right? The Cubs win four to one on Friday. Matt Mervis's debut. He brings in an insurance run. That was a great game. They win four to two on Saturday and they lose five to four on Sunday. So, you know, part of it too, right, Brendan? Like four runs every day. We know that this pitching staff, uh, especially the starters, are probably going to be able to work with four runs if they can do that with regularity. But again, just so many opportunities with runners on base, uh, runners in scoring position. At some point, they're 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 going to need to to capitalize on this. Yeah. Or you're going to see more games like we did on Sunday, where you're frustrated because it it comes down to literally who makes the first mistake. And uh, unfortunately, it was the littlest of twitches from Adbert Alvarez that brings in a, a free run, a runner that yeah. he did not allow. So that's yeah. that's pretty unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, going into today, they had the second best run differential in the National League, right? So they should be, based on their run differential, performing better than their actual record. I don't know how you feel about that. For me, it's like a mixed bag because in one sense, they're outperforming some of our initial expectations. But in a different sense, it's like, okay, well, what if something start to regress a little bit? Did we miss out on an opportunity when we were putting up runs? And did we miss out on an opportunity when the starting pitching has been so good, it can this sustain itself over the long term? So in a dark way of thinking, it's like, oh, in the back of my mind, it's almost as if did we miss out on this good performance in the first five weeks? But you can look at it a different way and, and assume that a lot of this stuff does continue and they'll be fine going forward. Yeah. So let's, uh, we have a, a YouTube comment here from Ronan, uh, very happy with Mervis so far. Let's talk about Matt Mervis's debut yeah. weekend. I think that's what a lot of people want to hear about. I, I think he looked, I think he looked very good. And I think one thing that I give David Ross credit for to start this weekend is he faced a lot of tough lefties. Man, a lot of tough lefties, a lot of guys with some really strong breaking balls, which, you know, I think is that area where it's like that's probably going to be the biggest adjustment for Matt, especially against left-handed pitchers. Uh, And I I thought he looked really good all weekend, you know, dealing with a lot of pressure and adrenaline and hype. His family's there. Uh, The weekend for Matt Mervis, he was one for four 
on Friday. He did have that uh, late RBI on his first hit of the year, one of the hardest hit balls for the Chicago Cubs all season. On Saturday, uh, Matt Mervis was also one for four with an RBI. He did strike out a few times in that game, however. Uh, And then on Sunday in the finale, two for six on the afternoon uh, with a run driven in. At one point in the game, though, Brendan, Matt Mervis was two for two against Sandy Alcantara. And his first hit off Alcantara was 100 miles per hour off the bat. Which, you know, look, for uh, a young guy coming up facing the NL Cy Young winner, Alcantara hasn't had the best start to his uh, reigning season, but he, we know he's very good, right? Uh, and so for Mervis to come up, rip a 100-mile-an-hour single off of him, he's scooping the ball at, at first base. He, uh, you know, Madrigal, I think, has, has looked pretty solid at third base, uh, you know, given the, the questions a lot of us had about that, uh, but he did make one not so great throw and, you know, Mervis scooped it like a pro Nico on that play late in the game here in extra innings where Nico was ranging to his right, kind of had to throw over his shoulder Mervis, you know, with the two hands, like yep. getting it up like in there. That. He looks good. I, I just think yeah. overall he looks good. And, and we have yet to see the real strength of his game that you're hoping he brings to this lineup, which is the power. Yeah, it's the power, but it's also the type of plate approach that he brings. One of the encouraging aspects of his game, especially in the context of our lineup, is he might complement this team against certain pitchers. And if you look at his just ability to make contact with his ability to hit for power, it's a rare combination that you see. In AAA, his contact rate was 83%. The major league average contact rate is around 76%. And then if you start tiering that contact rate by power hitters, typically the sluggers, they'll make contact around 72 to 74% of pitches. The super power hitters who have, you know, 30 plus homer potential, they're on 70%, which is where Patrick Wisdom's at. But Mervis is cut from a different type of skill set. That's why Rizzo was so good. Very different players. But that's why Rizzo was so good because he didn't strike out when he was one of those rare guys that he still had 30 plus home run seasons. So if you look at Mervis and there is a great uh, thread by one of our friends, Steven, uh, where he showed a heat map of Matt Mervis's contact zone which if you're following on the YouTube chat, you can see this right now. But on the left, you're looking at contact rate by Matt Mervis. On the right, you're looking at the major league average contact rate. And what you'll notice is that inside to Matt Mervis, which is towards the right part of the strike zone, he doesn't really whiff. And for major league average hitters, they tend to whiff more so on those inside pitches. So this means Matt Mervis in the minors had an innate ability to make contact against pitches that typically cause problems for major league hitters. And that's those inside pitches. That means that Mervis perhaps has a faster ability to turn on pitches. So what does this mean going forward? Well, his projection by steamer and other projection systems have him around a 330-ish or so weighted on base average, which is like in the form of you know, WRC plus something like 105 to 110, above league average, way better than the projections for Eric Cosmer, for example. If he's able to make this much contact while sustaining above average power, which he didn't just do in AAA, he had well above average power in AAA. If he's able just to be slightly above average in the power department, then he should be hitting 
those above average offensive numbers. So right now, Steamer has him at a 334 Woba and a 111 WRC plus for the rest of the season. That is a massive boost to this Cubs lineup, especially when you compare it to the alternative, which would be Hosmer racking up 300 plus plate appearances for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, I, I just thought it was a very impressive weekend. I, I think, uh, you know, again, like the the hype, the the pressure, the adrenaline, everything, and, you know, facing uh, a really good pitcher here on Sunday, he, he looks ready for the moment. And uh, I think especially what we saw from him defensively at first base, I love the quotes, you know, on his first day from Ross and Hoyer and everybody, just kind of giving him full confidence and, you know, really reiterating like this is, he's getting this shot, you know, yeah. he, he's going to be in there every day. He's going to be playing first base. Like the idea is for him to never leave that position from this point on. So I, I certainly I liked that today. Uh, yeah, our, our, our YouTube live chat here, uh, not happy with the runners in scoring position, uh, situation, uh, Brendan yeah. Trevor in our chat here pointing out three for 20 with runners in scoring position today. It's, it's something they're going to have to get better at. There's really just no way around that. We saw it that whole road trip They're They're going to have to start capitalizing in some of these situations. It was a very frustrating, uh, way to end this one in extra innings, just yeah. several opportunities to get that extra run in. Uh, but you would think over the course of the season, that doesn't continue though, right? Like with this type of performance you have on the top of the lineup, you don't expect them to go three for 20 with the runners in scoring right. position on a consistent basis. Granted though, if you have at bats consistently from underperforming guys, um, you know, like not to put so much, um, baggage on Nick magical. Cause he did have that game winning hit, but over the long course of the season, someone like Nick Madrigal and his like 80 WRC plus, like you don't want to keep giving that bats to those types of players, like the bulk of that bats. He's still fine as is, but that's where I get a little concerned. It's like, all right, do you have the depth to withstand some of those late inning runners and scoring position opportunities? Yeah. And that's something that they'll, they'll need to improve on that lower. When I think, you know, you saw kind of one of the tough things that happens when you're not loaded, let's call it with the kind of back end of your bench and yeah. stuff like that. Like the decision to pinch run for Amaya, right. Yeah. Ends up with Tucker Barnhart needing to come in. So he's taking a few pretty critical at bats uh, to like end that this move, game. That, that Amaya pinch run. I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't like it retroactively, it. obviously. Yeah, right. Um, it, it, again, it's just one of those things where it's like, I get what Ross is doing there, but when the game gets going and, and still going here into the 14th inning, you have to live with that decision. Yeah. And I think you much would have rather uh, not had to use Tucker Barnhart in those spots, you know, and if Tucker Barnhart's a backup catcher. It is what it is, but yeah. that's one of the decisions. Uh, I do want to talk about Miguel Amaya though. Uh, I'm, I'm really thrilled with a, I love that they let him catch all weekend. So I, I'm, I. I'm really about happy that about that. Um, and just getting the opportunity, we're not sure how long he's going to be up, right? Like Jan Gomes is, is resting and, but looks to be fine. He'll be back. This is his pitching staff when he's back. Uh, I, I, I know they, you know, they made a commitment to Tucker Barnhart. So I, I think he's going to continue to be here. We've seen them carry three catchers before. It's not something that they're completely opposed to. Uh, but not sure how they're going to make all that work. So at the very least, for the time being that Amaya is up, I'm very happy that he's in there getting the opportunity. And dude, the stuff with 
Miguel Amaya's parents in the crowd, their flags, they're hugging after he got his first hit that, that drove in a run. I, I love that, man. I'm a yeah, sucker man. for that stuff. They're so proud, so happy. And if you haven't seen Miguel Amaya singing Go Cubs Go uh, before no. his interview with Taylor after the game on Saturday, genuinely one of the best pieces of content <laughs> related to the Cubs we've gotten in years. Yeah. This is the guy who's been in the organization for so long, battled through injuries, battled through being a top prospect and being knocked down those rankings and kind of written off with all the injuries that he had, getting his opportunity to come to Wrigley Field, standing there after a win where he drove in a run singing Go Cubs Go with his parents right off camera, just smiling and in tears, happy for him. Just a, a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it is one of those, like, how can you not be romantic about baseball kind of moments? I mean, my God, when he's doing that, like, you can tell how present-minded he is. Like, it's taking in authentically that moment. Like, that was clearly one of his, got to be the highlight of his baseball career so far, right? Think about where he's come from over the last two, three years. Tommy John surgery, broke his foot, the COVID-shortened season, going through all those uh, adverse, unclear rehab processes with the Cubs rebuilding in the process as a young guy trying to make it. And you get to that point where he has a legitimate shot to prove his value. And we'll see what the Cubs do with carrying three catchers on their roster. They did that with uh, Luis Torrance, so they, they they might do it here, or they might opt to give Amaya everyday playing time in Double A AA or Triple A. But you can see the value of Amaya come August if you need catching depth because Jan Gomes is older. Tucker Barnhart is clearly not performing offensively, even right. to perhaps the front office's expectations, and they may need that bat, but they also may need to preserve that catching depth, which is fair because if Jan right. Gomes goes down. Do you want to rely heavily on Miguel Amaya as a rookie catcher who has perhaps promised, but nevertheless, you still want that catching depth. So yeah. it will be interesting how the Cubs handle that situation. I, I also think it's important, you know, for Amaya to continue to catch regularly. And once yeah. Jan is back, that opportunity isn't really going to be there again. Like I, I think Amaya looks like he belongs. And I, I, I agree uh, with Shane in our YouTube chat, like there's no better place to learn than in the big leagues, right? And 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 catching Justin Steele like he did on Friday in the middle of a, you know, right now, like all-star level, Cy Young level campaign for Justin Steele, right? And doing it uh, really well. But I think this is a guy who's battled back from injuries. This is a guy who has not had a ton of time where he's been back healthy and, and performing at this level. So continuing to catch every day, I don't think is the worst thing. I do think part of the issue, though, is going to become like Tucker Barnhart has been really bad for this team. And I know they gave him a two-year deal. He's got a veteran sort of reputation. Uh, but right now he's got a 23 WRC+. plus. He's been a sub-replacement level player, hey, negative war on the season. I don't think he looks great behind the dish, if I'm being honest with you. Um, we do kind of still have that like disparity in some of the ERAs from you know Barnhart to Gomes, which we saw last year with Jan Gomes uh, and someone who I guess is no longer a catcher in the St. Louis Cardinals uh, system. Uh, we can maybe talk about that. I know I saw the, the chat talking about that, but um, just something to consider. Like you, you have a young guy who's really earned this spot and, you know, seems to be bringing that sort of like life and, and light into the team in the clubhouse and Miguel Amaya. 
I don't expect them to do this because like you mentioned, you do need that system catching depth. Yeah. Uh, but Tucker Barnhart has been very bad and it is something that they may have to look into eventually because he's, he's been really bad. He he's been, been awful. It, it, it's a delicate balance, right? I don't anticipate the Cubs moving on from Barnhart and it doesn't really have anything to do dominantly by that two-year contract. I think it's just because they need that depth. They've been so cautious with their depth in the form of Ian first base and the Christopher Morales situation at the catcher position is probably going to be amplified even more in terms of that depth right. reservation. When, and, and, you know, especially like Jan Gomes is 35 and yeah. right now resting to make sure that he didn't have a concussion or concussion symptoms. So yeah. not the best time to be cutting depth or, you know, and maybe worrying about that at the catcher position. Let's get Jan healthy. Let's continue to let Miguel Amaya enjoy and, and relish this time here at the major leagues. And maybe that decision is uh, something that we circle back to. So going to take our first ad break here. Uh, we do the, the chat's talking about Dansby. Uh, the chat is, is talking about Hayden Wisniewski. So we're going to get yeah. into all of that, but I uh, want to uh, give a nod to our wonderful sponsors first. All right, quick break here from our first sponsor, DraftKings. It's NBA playoff time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place the same-game Parlay on any NBA game. If it does not hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Right now, the Suns are playing the Nuggets in about two hours here. Suns are one and a half point favorites. I'll be hitting that one and a half point favorite. Uh, Suns bets, uh, partial to Arizona, but also our PHNX colleagues have been doing great work. So you can download the app now. Sign up with code CHGO. New customers make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. Second break here from our sponsor, GameTime. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun that you'll have. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and your set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Right now, if you want to get tickets, let's say some of those late NBA games, you want to use the DraftKings app to make bets at the same time, close out the DraftKings Sportsbook app, open up the GameTime app, and you know if you want to get tickets, that's the best way to get the best price guarantee. Again, Open up, open up that game time app, create an account, use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, code CHGO for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Brendan. So uh, one guy I, you know, I'm, I, I want to talk about, I see the chat talking about, you know, just uh, the, the Cubs clutch, the, the runners and scoring position stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, also, yes, uh, we have over 70 people in the, the live stream here. Welcome. If you could hit that like button, the thumbs up, it helps, uh, not just Brendan and I, but the entire CHGO Cubs team and the CHGO team. We really appreciate that. Um, I, I want to talk about Dansby though, just a little bit, right? Like 0 for six, uh, today on Sunday. 
And overall, his numbers have been pretty good. 271, 382, 357 with a 112 WRC+. Plus. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, do you have any concern that the power isn't there for Dansby? We haven't seen a lot of slug from Dansby uh, that obviously would you know help those numbers a bit, even though he has still been good on the whole offensively. So it's a weird start to the season for him. I would be concerned if you didn't see a drastic change in plate approach from Dansby, but you're seeing that drastic plate approach change. So he's making way more contact now. He's making the most contact of his career, 75% than he has since he debuted when he made contact around 77%. That power that we saw over the years with the Braves came with a drop in contact rate and a willingness to accept those strikeouts. At his lowest contact rate, he's run 69 to 70% when he was hitting more home runs. So it's a weird thing to interpret because for me going into the year with Dansby, I was a little apprehensive about his entire plate approach because even with that 25 to 30 home run range that he had, it was still pretty moderate for the type of contact or the level of contact he made. Like if you look at the type of contact he was making and the degree of contact for those types of you know home run rates, he was in a tier of some you know less than desirable guys for that type of money, like Ryan Mountcastle, um, uh, uh, Jorge Morteo, and that to me signaled difficulty to project going forward. So the fact that we're seeing him make more contact, even though the power is not there, to me is encouraging. Because this is uh, something that you do recognize that he needs to improve upon. Because as he starts to age, Corey, like that, con that power is going to naturally go down, as it does for most hitters. So if he's not going to have the underlying contact to go with it, that offense can look pretty bad. But if he's able to make those adjustments, make more contact, get more base hits, take his pitches, walk as what he's doing, be you know an above-average offensive hitter, which he's which he's doing, then that's encouraging to me. And then also. As the season goes along here, as he's trying out new stuff with his plate approach, he has the ability to hit for power. Like his max exit velocity is still well above league average. Just a matter of if he's willing to accept some of those whiffs, and that will be ultimately up to his decision as the season goes along. The power is still there. This is an intentional plate approach change that he's trying out. And sometimes changes don't end up being for the long lasting uh, duration of the season. Stroman last year tried out a new four seam fastball as his dominant pitch type, ended up saying, you know what? I'm scrapping that. I'm going back to the sinker. And that's been his form of success that he's always had and that he's currently having right now. So I'm fine with Dansby doing this now. This is not a deterioration of a skill set. This is an intentional change to adapt. And I'm fine with him going through that process. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Cubs continue forward in terms of the lineup, right? Because obviously Cody Bellinger looks like the MVP version of himself. So he's cementing himself as the cleanup hitter, or at least somewhere in the, you know, sweet spot of that order. Say a Suzuki in the, in the midst of a, a pretty decent slump right now. So what David Ross, you know, obviously gave him the day off on Sunday, except for pinch running late in the game. Um, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how David Ross continues to do this, right? Obviously, he's starting Matt Mervis lower in the order. The hope is that he, as he gets more comfortable, he starts to slug. He kind of slots more in the maybe four, five, six-ish area for this team, right? Uh, but 
I guess, do you see, even with, you know, some of the changes that maybe Dansby's working on, obviously the the great work we've seen from Nico Horner in the leadoff spot, Ian Happ, uh, Cody and I talked about Ian Happ on Friday, just an incredible start to his season that I feel like is not getting as much credit as, as maybe it should be. He had a, a really nice RBI in the game uh, today on Sunday and extras, but, you know, 300, 418, 475 with a 147 WRC plus for Ian Happ. So he's staying in the middle of that order. It's a long-winded way of saying, I think we maybe see some change at some point, uh, just given what Mervis does. If Saya breaks out of this slump at some point, and if Cody Bellinger continues to be hitting this way, maybe we see some shuffling as far as that order is concerned. But for now, yeah, I, I, I think the patience is good from Dansby. Yeah. You do want to see a little bit more of that slug, though. Uh, but as somebody pointed out in our YouTube chat here, the one thing that we're not concerned about with Dansby, and I'm not concerned at all with Dansby, just want to see more power. Yeah. Uh, his defense is unbelievable. So good. I, I mean, they are so, so good, good up the middle. Dansby is so good. Nico is so good. And oh. I am enjoying watching Cody Bellinger play baseball more than I honestly, like I ever thought was possible. Like he's, know, he's hitting, obviously he has uh, a key hit in the game on Sunday to you know, key that Cubs comeback and and force extras, but his defense in center field is so good. And he doesn't do it in, you know, he's not making a bunch of diving plays and it's not the flashiest thing you'd ever see. He doesn't need to. He gets to the ball so fast. uh, His reads on the ball, the the way he gets in those alleys to cut off those doubles, he is just brilliant out there. And to go along (laughs) with uh, a 149 WRC plus, for Cody Bellinger um, and, no, no. you know, a 19% K rate. He's already got seven home runs. He's hitting 300. Yeah. And then, I mean, this is yeah. unbelievable that this is the performance they've gotten out of Cody Bellinger. And that's it's a dream. It's a dream. So that's the one reason I can like cope with these losses, Corey, these like recent one run, complete nonsense, bulk losses, because over the long term, if Nico is performing this well, if Dansby is doing exactly what he's doing, even with some of these power shortages, and Bellinger is performing at this level, over the long term, those wins will start piling up. Yeah. And Bellinger performing at this level, this is like an MVP level, which it looks right now, a lot of the underlying numbers do look somewhat stable in terms of him being you know, past some, whatever stuff he was dealing with the last few years. If that continues then this team is going to be in playoff contention and we will not remember days like this. It's just a matter of him sustaining these adjustments over the duration of the season. And at least so far in the early going in over a hundred plate appearances now, like it looks as if this could happen. Yeah. What will happen? I don't know, but it's, well, it's and, trending. And, and he's already direction. got nine stolen bases as well. Yeah, Cody Bellinger does. Like he's just doing freak. it all for this team. It's It's really great. I, I, I see some, you know, conversation in our YouTube chat here, and I've seen it on social media as well. Do you have any thought in your head about maybe talking to Cody Bellinger about sticking around a little longer? It's still May, you know? Sure. I'm it's just asking. May. If he's yeah. doing this in like August and yeah, I want to keep Cody Bellinger, right? But like it is May, you still have to see how things work out. And from Bellinger's camp, 
Maybe, I mean, maybe he would talk an extension, but he's performing. If he's playing like this, he's, <laughs> he's, he's going to get his, yeah. he's gotta get his money, right? Well, so. and as, as Vanilla Chill in our YouTube chat points out, obviously the Cubs have PCA coming. They have a lot of outfield prospects, so it is yeah. a little crowded. But, hey, like you got a DH. I, I don't know. Like maybe you have a I, conversation. You know, you don't have to give him a, a crazy deal, but maybe you talk to him now because it, just like you said, Brendan, it's only been a couple months, right? Yeah, like I, talk to him now, see if you can – I don't know. Just curious. He just looks unbelievable. That's why I bring it up. And I know people have kind of uh, been talking about it, but yes, uh, as, as Barbara says, PCA is, is coming and he's likely holding, holding it down until PCA is ready. And Brendan yeah. Davis has been playing uh, better as of late in AAA. So, you know, you hope he gets in the mix too. I don't know. Too Canario's many, you can never back. have too many good players. Yeah. yeah. Canario, Alexander Canario's Canario is back. taking BP. So he is working his way back from that yeah. massive double injury that he suffered uh, over the off season. So that is good to see as well. Uh, but listen, I'm just saying Bellinger has been a joy to watch. Uh, so uh, maybe, maybe there's a you conversation uh, to be had here. Uh, I do want to talk about Sunday's starting pitcher, and that was Hayden Wisniewski. This was his best start of the year, Brendan. Six innings, five hits, one run, no walks, and six strikeouts. He he just gives up uh, that home run to Yuli Gurriel that just barely got in the basket. Uh, so a really nice start from Hayden Wisniewski. I want to know what you saw from Hayden on Sunday. His you know again, this is uh, his best start of the year. Um, and then I, I think we have to have a little bit of a discussion of what happens to this rotation. Kyle Hendricks is coming back, right? He was in the dugout. You saw him smiling in the dugout today. Uh, he's been working on things. They're, they're, they're going to bring him back. And I think it warrants a discussion of yeah. what does that look like for everybody else? And it, it becomes a much more interesting discussion after Hayden has kind of gotten on a little bit of a roll here, getting more comfortable, getting better results, um, you know, it's an interesting conversation. So uh, what did you see from Hayden on Sunday? What has he started to do better since the beginning of the year that has led to better results here? And then we can talk about we can talk Kyle Hendricks. Hendricks, yeah. So this was Hayden's best start, undoubtedly, of the year. And it's nothing to do even with like the results per se of, present, of preventing runs. Like even the runs he gave up, you know, he got hit on an inside two-seamer in on the hands that was a home run in the basket. So, you know, he executed his pitch. He should have had a shutout. If you look at what he did well in that Sunday start, it was fastball command. His fastball command was its best of the entire season and reminiscent of what you saw even last season. So if you, if you look at his zone profile of where he located his two-seamer, and his four seam, it was right on the edges. He used his four seam up in the zone effectively, and he used that sinker towards the hips of right-handed batters, and he used that four seam against lefties as well. And so with him, that fastball doesn't have the underlying stuff to get you excited. Like he has stuff from his fastball perspective that suggests it needs improvement. And one of the uh, opening concerns of the season was that his four seam was a little bit more leaky. It actually had more tailing action, even though it was being thrown faster. And typically when that happens, it's going to have a little bit less like vertical breaks and have less carry on it. It's going to be more susceptible to being hit towards the middle of the plate. So in this start for him to be able to hit those edges 
with that fastball. I think we have a graph here, Stephen, if you if you can find it. Uh, for him to be able to hit the edges that consistently, there we go. What you're looking at here, if you're on the YouTube channel, those orange pitches, look at how many of those are touching the black of the strike zone. Like the overwhelming majority of those sinkers are thrown inside on the black towards their hips. And the majority of four seamers are still in that window on the black and up in the zone. And especially more so the left-handed batters up in the zone. He saw some strikeouts as a result. So with Hayden, the sweeper slider that he has is among the best in the league. That has not changed this season. The command has been bad on that sweeping slider. But for him to be successful as a starting pitcher, he will not be a top-level starter unless his fastball is thrown with that type of command. He has to dial in on that command as he did last year. If he doesn't dial in on that command, then him as a starting pitcher this season may be a little bit questionable until he really fine-tunes that. But this star is the first start towards that process where he is fine-tuning that, and then you can maximize your best stuff your top tier slider that pitchers wish they had, and then maybe grow upon that with the changeup that he also has that he says when he uses it, he's dominant. So this is a big step forward for Wisniewski and perhaps coincidentally enough, right at a time when Hendricks is perhaps returning. All right. So, so let's talk about, uh, I've been obviously very encouraged with Hayden Wisniewski, and I think he is someone that obviously has the the, the potential and a, and a spot on this pitching staff going forward here. But the conversation is more in the immediate, right? What happens when Kyle Hendricks comes back? All the indications that we have gotten is that Kyle is going to get this shot, uh, and he's going to be in there. Right. And, you know, David Ross talking about the depth and it's never bad to have depth. And sometimes that'll be at the MLB level. Maybe sometimes it's at the AAA level. Right. Uh, but Kyle's going to get a shot. So I'm, I'm curious, what do you think the Cubs will do? What do you think they should do? How does it affect someone like I, we assume Hayden Wisniewski is the spot that maybe is in jeopardy here. I it wouldn't is necessarily yeah, expect yeah. it to be anybody else. Um, Coming up here, the Cubs do have an off day after each series they play until the end of the month here in May. Starting on the 23rd against the Mets, they play a few series in a row against the Mets, the Reds, and the Rays uh, going up until their off day on June 1st. So maybe during that stretch, you know, you can have everybody involved. But but how do you think they handle this? Do you think it's the right decision to if they send Hayden Wisniewski back down to put Kyle Hendricks in, what do you what do you think they do here? You have to give Kyle a chance, right? Like that's an, like you have to do it. Just from a, a media com- competition perspective, like this team needs starting pitching depth. So what that means for Wisniewski likely is a return back to Iowa, right? You're not going to get rid of Smiley Spot. Steele is turning into your Cy Young guy. Um, Stroman is looking great, right? Tyon is coming back. Wisniewski is going back to AAA. That's just what it's going to have to be. And the question then turns to how long of a leash do you want to get Kyle Hendricks, right? Let's say he comes back and he's still getting his mechanics straightened out. He's not quite where he wants to be personally. How long do you want to risk some of his starts 
so that he can get back to his level. And I think we could have that conversation come the end of June. Right now, it's a little bit premature, but for this Cubs team to make the playoffs, we always talked about it going into the season, but their starting pitching projections sucked. Like everyone on their starting pitching staff had terrible projections, right? And one of the reasons because their projections were so bad was that they didn't have the track record of getting through August, getting through September, right? So that still is a possibility. They have not proven if you look at like Justin Steele, he's been a Cy Young. He has every reason to believe he can do it. But nevertheless, that certainty is not quite there yet, right? So you want to give your team the best chance to have that depth in the rare instance or possibility that you need that come August yeah. and September. So, sure. you know, that's a discussion we can have in June and July. Right now, you give Kyle the chance. Hayden probably going back to Iowa to pitch every fifth day still needs to work on stuff. Right. And then you reevaluate in a few weeks and we just lost Adrian Sampson to uh, a knee injury. Right. So right. that depth while still pretty strong because you have Ben Brown coming up, perhaps he's looking really good. Javier staff for all intents and purposes has been what you imagine with the diverse pitch repertoire and the ability to be stretched out. You still have some depth, but you did lose Adrian Sampson. And that is a little bit of your depth chiseled away that you may not be comfortable with by not giving Kyle a legitimate chance. Yeah. And I mean, we saw it last year with, you know, Drew Smiley missing some time with various injuries. Stroman was out a few times with injuries already this year. We've seen Tyone hit the IL, you know, so you do want to make sure that depth is there. It's, it's important um, and I, you know, vanilla chill in our YouTube chat live here asking, uh, let's say Hendricks isn't good. Does he get moved to the pen or how short is that leash? Yeah. I, I would That's, expect it to, I don't, I can't say how short, but I think it's a weird discussion. It's a, it's a weird spot. Right. Yeah. But he, he, he did struggle on and off the last time he was healthy, right. At the MLB level, he's at a certain point. But in we his don't, career, we don't know that though. We don't know if he was like. Dealing with those shoulder issues. That's true. An injury, struggles. right? But yeah. but I do think given Kyle's reputation, his history, his pedigree, they're gonna give him a shot unless uh, until and if it's not going well, they'll address that. And I think if they see stuff in the underlying numbers or his mechanics or things like that, I, I think they'll make the appropriate call. But I, I do think he's gonna get some runway. And you know, it's a it's a tough spot for Hayden, right? Like this is just the reality of the situation. He, he pitched really well on Sunday. I, I, I tweeted out, it was so important, the effort that Hayden Wisniewski gave them on Sunday against a guy like Sandy Alcantara. Hayden Wisniewski kept them in that game. He is who allowed that game to go to extras and give the Cubs a chance to come back late in that game and make that rally to force extras. That was all Hayden Wisniewski keeping them in this game and keeping the Marlins to just that one run that he really didn't even deserve to give up, right? A basket yeah. homer. So he, he, he did his job really amicably. And this is just one of the, the tough spots, the realities of the business, right? A veteran, uh, a, a, someone who is really important to the history of the Chicago Cubs franchise, right? In Kyle Hendricks uh, for his work in, in 2016 when the Cubs okay. won the World Series, won, right? Won the World Series, yeah. Okay. He, he's going to get a shot to see yeah. if he can get right and, and go back to kind of looking like somewhat of his, his former self. Because if he can, that's obviously huge for this rotation. And I think that Hayden will handle whatever that looks like really well, right? He, he earned the job out of spring training. He deserved that. Uh, but I think he'll handle whatever this decision is really well because it again, and, and this is not just coach speak or team speak. 
he is going to be important to this team throughout the rest of this season and, and for years to come. So how yeah. a decision is made immediately in May, we'll see. But I think, you know, eventually it will, it will come. Yep. All right. Break here from our sponsor, Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures like going to Wrigley Field in the summer. That's not all. Shady Rays has the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. And together with their customer, Shady Rays is providing much needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. From building playtests for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others' lives like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off. Two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Last break here from our sponsor, FOCO. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. It's spring and baseball season. The summer's coming up. It's going to be hot in Chicago. You want to get in a Aloha shirt. You want to look like our own Ryan Herrera. Go to FOCO.com. They have those Aloha shirts. They also have straw hats, polos, bags, everything that you need for a game. We also have set decorations from FOCO. We have a Nico Horner bobblehead. Uh, I mean, obviously partial. That's one of my favorite bobbleheads in the entire world. Go show them some love. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all non-pre-sale items. Use promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right, Brendan. So uh, just a couple more topics here. One thing I, I know you were clamoring for, and we saw it uh, this weekend uh, on Saturday, Adbert Alzali picking up the save. He did pitch in the game on Sunday as well and did a really nice job uh, in those extras. He pitches three innings. He does give up two runs, but they're unearned because he didn't allow the base runners. So you have been clamoring for Alzali to get a shot to be the closer because he gets whiffs, right? Uh, what did you think of that outing on Saturday? Do you think that that's the direction they go moving forward here? Uh, and just any, anything you're thinking about Alzali here? Yeah. I mean, so Alzali has that underlying capacity to miss bats, right? With that slider, that slider has the best swinging strike rate of any slider in the bullpen. So my thinking was, once the eighth or ninth inning comes along, I don't want blue pits. You look at Brad Bosberger, he has an ability to generate weak contact, but sometimes that weak contact finds the outfield and you lose the game. Uh, you, then you look at Michael Fulmer and there's the same type of thinking where he can generate weak contact because he throws, you know, over half his pitches as gyro cutters that induces weak contact. But at the same time, you saw David Peralta, you know, bloop some 
game-winning base hits out to right field, and he's working through a new sweeping slider that may not be where he wants it to be, especially in a closing context. So that leaves other options on the roster. It could be Keegan Thompson, although he may be best suited for a two, three, maybe at times four inning roll out of the bullpen. Likely not the ideal guy. So who does that leave? It leaves Abrazali. It leaves, if you want to get extreme, Jeremiah Estrada. You have Brandon Hughes against certain matchups, although he's been injured this year. Alzali seems to be, at this moment in time, the most logical choice out of the bullpen. And you saw it, even in that loss today, which he did not deserve. I mean, you gave a, he gave up a run without allowing a walk, a base day, or any defensive errors. Like th- This rule, we can get into it at a different time, but I hate this rule. Um, yeah. But you saw him close out the game even before that three-plus inning um outing in Sunday's loss, you saw why his stuff could be so good. And what's really impressive from Adber that, you know, you can put in your mind and think this is a reason to believe he can close is that he developed three pitches in two years that are now his dominant pitch types. He developed a cutter as he's using against lefties. He developed a slider. He developed even a slower slider, and he can throw all three of those with confidence. And the reason he's having success against lefties this year is because of that cutter. Like that cutter was not in his arsenal when he's getting smoked against left-handed batters. It's now in his arsenal. He can throw it about 30, even half the time to left-handed batters if he wants to do it with confidence, and he's getting the outs. So among everyone on this team right now, I can't convince myself that Adver's not the logical choice. I can convince myself that I still I'm hopeful that Jeremiah Stroud can get an opportunity, but I'm realistic in that you may not want to trust his, you know, youth and his inexperience. I I think Adver right now is like a clear obvious choice. Yeah, I love it. And you know, as our our YouTube chat is pointing out, uh Michael Fulmer has been better in in the, you know, sort of less high leverage role. Uh, Since that sort of mess of a series at Wrigley against the Dodgers, he's got five straight outings where he has not given up a run. Uh, Four of them have been against the Marlins, but one was against San Diego. He's only allowed one hit in those five outings and no runs. So good to see. Again, sometimes I question David Ross. Sometimes I don't. This was one where they, you know, maybe a game too late, right? David Ross? But they... He, he, he pulled him from the high leverage spots. He pulled him from immediately going to him as the closer and Fulmer's responded really well. And if you can get him to settle down and continue to pitch like this, you have a, a another very valuable reliever. Uh, so I, I, I do like that. I'm happy with that yeah. decision. Um, one last thing, oh God. uh, before we get out of here, uh, I, I do, uh, you know, again, like I do want to give uh, credit to Nick Madrigal throughout this weekend. I thought he had a nice weekend. Um, he came up with that big hit on Saturday and that's where you want him to hit, right? Like you needed contact. You needed somebody to put the ball in play. We've seen this team fail in those spots. He made some nice plays at third. I I have said all off season, right? Like when he does things well, I will give credit where credit is due, right? His overall season offensively certainly isn't where you want it to be. Uh, but he had a nice weekend. He contributed a lot this weekend. And, you know, I think that's, worth the credit. There were also a few uh, updates as well. One of them that I think is is particularly exciting, uh, which was Cody Hoyer is back out there, Brendan. And I think it might have been a hot gun uh, in the minors this weekend. Uh, but 
the, the report was that he was touching 99. Uh, not sure if that's accurate or not, but Cody Hoyer getting back out there, looking healthy. And, and you know, our, our YouTube chat has been rolling here live. Uh, a lot of concern about some guys in the bullpen, and I think that's been a, a pretty frequent theme. If he can get back and be healthy, he can be a, a really big weapon for this team. And he's throwing 100 miles per hour, right? And you have Cam Sanders also throwing 100. This bullpen may lack velocity, right? So you have one guy who has velocity, who has track record of major league experience. That could be a big boost. I forgot Cody Hoyer was this close to returning. I'm yeah. excited about it. There's so many options this bullpen can have, especially in the late innings. Our guy, uh, Ryan Herrera, also tweeting out this morning that Brandon Hughes is doing work. Jan Gomes is doing work. So several guys working their way to get back uh, on the team and, and be contributing to this team. Last thing before we sign off, uh, I do want to read this quote that just came across from our guy, Ryan Herrera, who was live at beautiful historic Wrigley Field for allchgo.com today. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. He said, Hayden Wisniewski was very impressed with Miguel Amaya's work behind the plate. Quote, it actually blew my mind today. More from Ryan Herrera uh, from Hayden Wisniewski. He said, quote, I was very surprised how prepared he is. It's incredible. I'll even say the first inning or two, it was like, he's a young guy. You're not sure what you're going to get when you call a game. And so I kind of started second guessing him and myself. Then I come in the dugout. I'm like, you know what? I'm trusting you. I've called the right pitches so far, in my opinion. And I've been really hard headed about it. And so about the third inning, I started trusting him, and you see where that got us. I'm telling you right now, that guy, he's very prepared. He's very mature. And wow. I'm impressed with his game calling because that's one thing that's really tough moving up through the ranks. It's not necessarily the framing and the blocking. He's playing the game. It actually blew my mind today. I tried to be overly prepared today, thinking that I didn't know how prepared he was going to be. And dude, he was more prepared I than that. I was. All right. I love that. I All just right. love that. He's As up. we talked about earlier in the show, they're, they're not going to move on from, from Barnhart immediately. Jan Gomes is working back from a concussion. How they handle that going forward in the immediate, we're not sure, right? But I'm thrilled that Amaya is getting this opportunity and thrilled that people are noticing this, right? This is this is important. Miguel was a big prospect for the Cubs and it, it, it faded away because of injuries and, and things like that. And for him to be back and healthy, this is a, a potential, you know, pretty big contributor going forward uh, for the Cubs in the years to come, especially when right now your main catching tandem is on the older side, 32 and 35 years old and uh, Barnhart and Jan Gomes respectively. So Thrilled that Amaya's got this opportunity. He had such a great weekend at Wrigley Field. His parents, just so proud of him. It was very wholesome stuff. And then you hear that from uh, Hayden Wisniewski, like that goes a long way. And uh, it it pairs very well, Brendan, as we get ready to welcome the St. Louis Cardinals to town for the first time on Monday. Look, this is a, a Cubs podcast, right? It's a CHGO Cubs podcast. We talk about the Cubs. So we didn't spend too much time on the Cardinals deciding, at least for now, it seems that Wilson Contreras has not been good enough behind the plate and he will not be catching, at least for a little bit of the future here. Jed Hoyer certainly sitting here right now going, see, I told you, right? And we heard about Jan Gomes getting so much praise last year from the pitchers. His ERA was lower with everybody. And you hear stuff like this about Amaya and his game calling, his presence, his preparedness. That is the exact opposite of what some of the quotes coming from like the St. Louis manager are suggesting. 
it, it, the timing is nice, right? Like I don't really care to use our time to trash Wilson Contreras or, you know, the Cardinals or whatever, because it's not a Cardinals podcast, but Jed Hoyer certainly looks quite vindicated at the moment for that decision. And Barbara's in our YouTube chat asking what happens on Monday. I don't know. I really don't. Um, you know, Wilson Contreras obviously helped the Chicago Cubs win a World Series That's in true. 2016. Yeah. He wanted to yeah, stay yeah. here, but then he talked an awful lot of smack in the offseason about the Cubs, the organization, uh, the fans, everything. And that certainly was not well received. And at the end of the day, he's currently playing for the Cardinals. So for eighty million dollars, I don't know. I don't know what the reception is going to be. I'm sure they'll have a, a video like they have with everybody else that returns and things like that. And we'll see. I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't really care a at the moment. You know, the Cards are like 14 games under 500, and Wilson was moved off catcher uh, within a month of a several-year contract. Uh, that whole situation is going as well for us the Cubs, the fans, everybody, than we could possibly have asked for. So yeah. I, I don't care. I, I don't have the energy for it anymore. It's a mess over there, and that makes me happy. That's all I can say. That's all I got to say, too. Uh, yeah. It will be an interesting response, Eric That That will be, that will be uh, might be a mixed bag of emotions for many people. Yeah. So three with the Cardinals coming up. Uh, Cody, Luke, we'll have you for pre- and post-game on Monday. Ryan Herrera should be back at beautiful historic Wrigley Field, hopefully joining those post-game shows uh, later when he can. I believe a certain someone else is going to be in the studio this week, uh, I, right? I, I will be there Wednesday. The pitch doctor, Brendan Miller, will be live for post-game in the CHGO Sports studio, hopefully after a Cubs sweep. All three of these games, Monday through Wednesday, are night games. Uh, we appreciate your support. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you download the DraftKings app and sign up. Again, pre and post for the Cardinals coming up this week with Cody and Luke. They will be back with you on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys joining us. Leave those thumbs up on YouTube if you're listening on podcasts. We appreciate those five-star reviews on Apple and Spotify. Brendan and I will be back with you next week. We will talk to you guys soon. Appreciate the support. And all as always, go Cubs.